I can't listen to any more of this. What's the matter with you people? How can you sit here and talk and talk and talk like this? TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer, TGIF Indeed, everybody. Hi, I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour, and we are ably assisted, as we typically are, of a Friday with the presence, the technological savvy of bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you doing today with his wazoo sweatshirt? Hey, go Cougs, and you'd think we're a bunch of, you know, yickety yaks with that last little bit there. I mean, just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and chit-chatting away. Happy autumn. Yes, officially. Do you, do you say fall or do you say autumn? I say fall. Who, say, I, who says autumn? I try to, excuse me. <laughs> I say autumn. <laughs> All right. So we have a demographic situation there. <laughs> like, it's not demographic. I think on. it's pure convenience because once you've said fall in a sentence, if you're going to keep referring to it, just throw in autumn so that you're not being a Johnny One Note. Mm, good call. Mental note taken. All right. <laughs> Mental note taken. A lot, of, a lot of people can't spell autumn. I think that's part of the problem. I think that's and why. That's a lot of what's wrong with America today. That's right. I learned how to spell that in grammar school. If I know we, how to spell autumn. If we only knew somebody who had a way to heal all this and to do it quickly, we'd probably put them on the radio. Why don't, why don't we bring on a healer today? We have a first time guest today. First Always timer. very exciting when we have a first timer on. We we love our tried and true, you know, make new friends, but keep the old one is silver, the other's gold. Well, we got a silver friend. We got a, a new person today. We're making a new friend on the air. Oh, and I certainly hope that this will be the first of many interviews, hopefully to help people get the job done, whatever that looks like to you in your own life. And uh, for those who want to be a change agent, a positive change agent in society, it's kind of what we do. Why don't you give her her mad props and let's bring her on. We're going to meet Jenny Mannion today. Jenny Mannion graduated from Penn State University with a bachelor's degree in psychology and was always interested in how the mind works and in helping others. She began her own transformation by healing herself of several chronic diseases in three weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to repeat this. Your ears do not deceive you. Jenny Mannion began her own transformation by healing herself of several chronic diseases in three weeks time. I think there's a story in there somewhere and we're going to get it during this hour. Since healing, Jenny has become an alternative healing practitioner, mind-body mentor, and an author, multi-published author at that. She inspires people to connect with their inner power to create the life they desire. Jenny is originally from New York City and now lives in upstate New York with her two children. But for right now, she's joining Manson Mitchell. Jenny Mannion, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful to be here with you too. I want to hear the healing story. We need to introduce you to our listeners. But first of all, are you a football fan or a hockey fan? Uh, <laughs> or neither. I one. hear a neither coming. <laughs> I've been, I went to Penn State, so I kind of, you know, had to go to a bunch of football games and enjoyed that. And also grew up in New York City, so went to my fair share of Ranger games as well. So 
There Enjoy both, but don't follow either. Okay, okay that's well, fair that's, enough. That's a fair answer. I'll take that. My doctor, he's a great doctor, wonderful guy. He did pre-med at Penn State, and he wasn't able to tell me. So maybe you can, Jenny, exactly what is a nittany lion? Because I've been looking at a lot of lions. <laughs> I watch National Geographic religiously, and I still haven't seen my first nittany. I haven't. Well, the only one I've seen is the statue at Penn State. So, <laughs> well, then you've seen more than me. All right, <laughs> we located one. That's great. Well, very good. We were intrigued about your background story, and as Gary was saying, you cured yourself of various illnesses in three weeks, and we're going this person we got to talk to because who is it that you know we know who doesn't have something that they wish was healed up and so we wanted to get your story and by way of introducing you to our listeners I want you to just hold forth for as long as you need to to tell what your story is. Sure well I was sick for seven years I was diagnosed with four different chronic illnesses. First was chronic mono, then it was fibromyalgia, then it was genetic blood disorder, factor five Leiden, which the doctors told me I'd be more likely to get blood clots, manifested one of those within three weeks of being told that. And the last was Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which had the doctor saying that I'd be in a wheelchair probably within a year or two. And that was in my mid thirties. So did all the traditional medicine, did some alternative as far as chiropractor, naturopath, and nothing took the pain away. I was in chronic pain. I felt like I had the flu most days. There were days I wondered how I was going to get out of bed. Could I drive my kids to school? Sometimes I was crawling down the stairs. So the pain was very real. And when you're in pain, it is very attention getting. And in hindsight, I know that I was focusing all that attention on the pain and it's hard not to because pain is, it makes you clench up and it makes you really feel like you can't do anything else. So after doing all of the traditional things, there were a couple of things that, that were catalysts for my change and my healing. The first was I met a friend that thought of me as Jenny, didn't think of me as sick Jenny. And I had fought taking pills for a long time because I was very afraid. I grew up in New York City, was saw addiction firsthand, was very afraid if I started taking pain pills in my mid-30s, where was I going to be? And when I met my friend, though, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take half the dosage that they're telling me and go for a walk with her. And I started getting out in nature and I started being with someone that didn't see me as not a good enough mom, the things I was telling myself, not a good enough mom, not good, good enough wife, you know, not showing up for my family the way I wanted to, uh, and really saw me as me. And then I think the movie The Secret was the next step. Seeing the movie The Secret taught me two things. It taught me that our body is always recreating cells and where we put our attention, it makes sense. Where we put our attention and energy helps the cells manifest either healthy the body manifest healthy cells or sick cells and I was telling myself how sick I was every day and focusing there so I really wasn't giving my body the opportunity to create healthy cells the next was gratitude I was not grateful I was really sad uh, I had moments of happiness I had two wonderful kids and a good family my mom was my biggest cheerleader but 
it's really hard to be grateful when you're sick and you're not able to do a lot of the things that you want. So what I did after seeing that movie, I said, you know what, for a couple of, I'm just going to take this day by day. I'm going to cancel my doctor appointments, except for the only one I kept was the blood thinner. I had to have that regulated. Everything else I was going to, can I canceled. And I said, all I'm going to do is focus my attention on where my mind is. I listened to, watched, and read a ton of Wayne Dyer, Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, Caroline Mace, just really was surrounding myself with that positive energy and also focusing my attention on what was I saying to myself? I was saying to myself, I wasn't a good enough mom. I was in pain. I was giving myself all these negative messages. So I started to change that into, okay, maybe my legs are in pain, but my, my fingers feel good. That means I have healthy cells in my fingers. And I'm grateful I have a bed to lay in. I'm grateful I can get out of working for a little while and be a homemaker and, and focus this time on myself and my healing. So by changing that inner dialogue, I changed my energy. And within three weeks, I was off of all pain pills and not in pain anymore. And it's been 15 years. Congratulations. That is a great story. That's awesome. What is it, Jenny, as far as you can tell about this 21-day period? I have heard that people, for example, who want to stop biting their fingernails, or here's an even more popular one, quit smoking, can manage that if they're going to manage it at all, within 21 days, if they take the right attitude into the process, and if they see it as something to be achieved within that three-week period, your mind sort of gets the message, I gather. I really feel like you're, you're creating new neural pathways. I and mean, when we tell ourselves the same thing over and over, it's, it's like a groove in a record player. It just keeps kind of going over the same thing. We are creating a new groove. We are deciding, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. And this is good for me. And we are self-sabotaging beings. <laughs> so it is very easy for us to go back to the old. But if we have a goal that we really want, I did not know I could heal myself but I knew I had not taken this route to feel better. And by doing that, be paying attention to my thoughts every single day on, wow, I talked really horribly to myself, paying attention and being kind to myself when I heard that self-talk, not beating myself up about it because it was an old pattern. You know, we develop these, we develop these habits and behaviors because they serve a purpose and because they might help us get through a certain period of time and we develop sickness because of imbalances in our body so really to have this compassion for ourselves when we want to start a new habit or behavior and hold that vision in mind of life can be better for us we can create change it does take consistent motion and energy and self-talk is probably the hardest one, but we can do it. And I do feel like 21 days of repetitive action is really of benefit to us because it does really create that new neural pathway and allows for that change to happen. I was so excited to find out what our topic was today, because this is a particular topic that I really, really like how the mind works, how you make changes in your thinking and changes in your life. I was looking for a particular quote, and I did not find the quote, but I found a couple of other quotes that I, I decided to make a note about. 
And, and then there's a question at the end of it, Jenny. The first quote is from Henry Ford, who said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason why so few engage in it. So there's your thinking quote. The next quote is from Joe Dispenza, who said, the process of change requires unlearning. It requires breaking the habit of the old self and reinventing a new self. And when I heard that you were interested in how the mind works, and you're telling me in your healing story that you were creating new neural pathways, you were actually unlearning a lot of things that you learn. I was also intrigued by the fact that you are a psychology major at Penn State. And so my question is, when you were thinking about how to make this radical shift in your habits and behavior, how much were you able to draw on your uh, psychology major information from Penn State? How did that play into what you were doing? That's a wonderful question. I've never been asked that. So thank you for asking that. <laughs> and I do feel like it it played a huge part because when I saw the movie, The Secret, I was like, ah, it was that aha moment. This makes sense to me. I did study a lot of Carl Jung and I did study a lot of, I went to graduate school for a year and a half too in uh, criminal psychology, but learning how the mind worked and functioned and it did make sense to me that where I was putting my energy, it did create my reality. How could it not? If I was putting, and it's not just the words, the words are important, but the emotion too. I was waking up every morning and concentrating on the pain in my legs, saying my legs hurt so much and repeating that message over and over again. That's not a healing message to my body. You know, so the psychology really did play a huge part because it, when I saw the movie The Secret, it made everything kind of click into place where I was like, hey, no one told me I could do this before, you know, let me get, I, I always did love Deepak Chopra. Let me get out my Deepak Chopra books. Let me look for other teachers that are teaching this stuff so that I can start to, and it was at the time, like unlearn the patterns that I've been doing and learn a new way of being. I'm going to make a, a guess here. And what I'm going to guess is when you were at Penn State, in your syllabus, they did not have Deepak Chopra or the secret. Tolle <laughs> or the secret or any of that stuff, which is one of the things that I wanted to kind of explore with you is when we are going to school, when we are engaging in our education, we don't get that kind of practical education that we can uh, apply in our lives to make our lives better. So even though you could draw on your education, that is not what they were teaching you at Penn State, was it? Sure wasn't. (laughs) Sure wasn't. (laughs) I hope that we've come farther. I hope that if you learn psychology today, maybe they include some of those authors, but I do not know if they do that. My, my own uh, experience of in college was that 
for a, a very brief time, I was thinking about going into education. And so I was taking some education classes and I found them to be not about the positive aspects of education. It was more about these are all the reasons that kids fail in school. Not, the focus was not on here's all the ways you can have children succeed in school. And so I, I'm wondering if that same thing applied to you, where maybe a lot of what you learned in school was all the negative stuff about how the mind works poorly and, and causes all these psychoses and all these problems and all these uh, things that don't work as opposed to here's how to get the mind to work in a way that is brilliant and wonderful and creative and joyful. Does yeah, that make you nailed, sense? You nailed that. Yeah. It was there all about go. the dysfunction. It wasn't right. how to function properly and how to live a wonderful, beautiful life. I even took a course in marriage and it was really all about the divorce rate and all the things that go wrong in marriage. It wasn't how to have a happy marriage. And right. Yeah. This is what we're learning in school. This is what kids are going and learning in high school and in college is how things don't work instead of how they do work. I hope that some of this coursework at least suggested pathways to solutions because, it, I mean, yeah, I know what the problems are. I'm living them there, but how do I get out of this box into which I have placed myself? And now that we are at it, you've given us a lot of your curriculum vitae and parenthetically, Jenny, I do want to ask you about your coursework in criminal psychology. Yeah. It's so interesting that Jenny would mention this because I was talking to my buddy, Kenny, just a couple of hours ago, and we got on the subject of how people can, and we're looking at a story play out internationally right now about someone who seeks to evade detection after what they are suspected of having done, which is to murder his, his partner, his girlfriend, whose body was identified here this week. What is it about people that you learn, Jenny? What is it about people who commit these heinous crimes, and yet it seems their first thought is to escape detection? There's, is there a trigger in their mind? Is there a switch that goes off that allows the average criminal to accept any share of responsibility for what they have done? Yeah, it's, it's fight or flight mode. It's survival mode. And the people that can create, can cause this kind of pain, can, can murder someone, can create this kind of pain and trauma in others, they were probably traumatized. I mean, that is what I found in my practice. I hear of horrendous things in my practice. And when I hear that someone was abused, say by a parent, I will, the first question is, was that parent abused? And the answer is always yes. So, but there is that kind of survival mode that someone kicks kicks into I hope that that person experiences remorse if not you're a sociopath you know and there's a lot more work to be done but I don't know it is like you want to survive so you just keep going and I guess knowing the repercussions are going to be a life in prison or the electric chair if you're in the, you know a state that allows that so 
it is just to keep going and, and keep moving. And yeah, like I said, I hope that they do feel remorse um, that never excuses the action, obviously. But it is why I stopped studying forensic psychology was it was really depressing. <laughs> and for someone that is empathic like me, I, I was thinking that it would be very hard to not bring this home with me every day, to not bring wow. this in my home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. When it comes to your clientele, I'm sure our listeners are as interested as we in knowing with whom do you typically deal? Are these, as, as one famous psychologist said, garden variety neurotics? Or are we talking about <laughs> people who are goal oriented and they want to know how they can achieve a stable marriage? How can they raise children who are productive members of society, et cetera, et cetera. When they come to you typically, Jenny, what set of problems do they usually bring with them? They each have a different challenge. I do have clients that come to me with health problems. I have had a lot of clients that have had cancer and I have seen stage three and four cancer heal. And there are clients that want help in a relationship. You, you, you know, nailed a bunch of the categories, people that just don't seem to have the tools or keep repeating a pattern and want to do better. They know there's another way to do better, but they keep facing the same challenge and they just need more tools. And that's really what my whole business is about is I love learning <laughs> and I've been taking a ton of classes the last 15 years. Then I am just filling my toolbox with more and more tools so that I can offer more people tools because we don't always resonate with the same ways of healing and we all need different different tools, different ways to speak to ourselves, to start changing that mindset, different ways to change our energy. And change is always possible. But as humans, we're very comfortable in our uncomfortable zone, in our discomfort zone. And it's really hard to take that initiative. But when people come to me, they are tired and they, they need that change. They know that something has to shift. And they are people aware I have, I have doctors and scientists and energy healers. And then I have teachers and artists. I've really kind of all kinds of professions that come to me, but the common denominator is they're ready for change. Well, that would have to be the first step. Um, most people or many people don't want to even admit that maybe their lives could be better. And they're, they're kind of resigned to, well, this is the way it's always been and the way it always will be. So there's that resignation. But when someone finally says, I just need things to be different than they are, um, you know, back to the Joe Dispenza quote, the process of change requires unlearning. It requires the breaking of the habit of the old self. Where do you think is a place, a good place for most people generally to start with unlearning a habit of their old selves. I, I heard you say that you started walking in nature. You were also examining your own belief system. When somebody comes to you newly, is there a place where you normally begin with your clients? We begin with the self-talk. It's all about that. What are you telling yourself every day, all day? I've heard that quote. We have about 60,000 thoughts a day, 80% are negative and 95% are the same as yesterday. That offers a ton of wiggle room for change. 
and really not that much time either. When I was, I usually tell my clients, start off with a couple times a day. Start off with what are the first thoughts when you wake up in the morning? What are your thoughts in the shower? Love the shower time for meditation time. Even a busy mom, the kids will usually leave them alone in the shower. That's time that we all get. And we're usually in our head about what we're going to do that day or the things we didn't get done or a conversation we're going to have really use that shower time for to get present. What are you telling yourself about the day? What would you like to do for yourself that day? And then right before bed, because right before bed and right in the morning, your subconscious is really tuned in. So those thoughts go deeper. So it's really important to have those moments be positive moments. And those are usually when the negative talk is going. Oh, I'm so tired. I didn't get this done on my list today. Oh, tomorrow is, is going to be hard because I have to do this. So really change that up. Change it to gratitude. Gratitude is a huge life changer. When we start paying attention to the things that we're grateful for in ourselves and in other people and in the world, it switches. It switches from that fear mo mode to love mode. And when you're in love and gratitude, you allow more goodness to come into your life. I believe it. I I've love that. You yeah. know, I feel a little bit of shame and here I am going negative. See, when I have experienced exactly as you described, when I am grateful for something, when I put my attention on how good I have it in this or that avenue of my life, presto, almost immediately, I start to get more of it more reasons to be grateful, more reasons to love my life and love the people in my life. It's like the universe doesn't say no. It's great at saying yes, but that yes is not reflexive so much as it is reflective of the nature of our own thoughts. That means we get to be in the driver's seat and the challenge is we have to be in the driver's seat. <laughs> Absolutely. And as I said with that quote, 80% of our thoughts are negative. So we get to choose, though. We get to choose that. I know that when I start shifting my thoughts, I was like, hey, if I get to 50 50, you know, it's going to be pretty good. You get over that line and things start to change. And it doesn't have to be all day you're sitting around saying positive affirmations. It can be like these little moments of time where you really do sit and think about something that you're grateful for. I have my clients too. recall a positive moment in your life that has made people cry. Like people will recall the most negative moments in their life and trauma in their life over and over. But why not call in? Why not close your eyes and bring in the most beautiful memory you have with all your senses? Like it is so empowering to do that. It tells it tells the universe that, yes, life is good. I was happy before and I will be happy again. And it just opens you up. I love what you said, Gary. It just opens you up. It just seems like it's magic when we turn our attention to that, that we invite more of that into our lives. We are talking with Jenny Mannion. We're so delighted that you have joined us for another episode of Manson Mitchell. We have more questions. Jenny apparently has all the answers. You can't put anything past this woman. No pressure. I'm just saying that we're <laughs> delighted to have her with us. When we come back, we're going to let Jenny tell you about what she has to offer professionally. She's a multi-published author, and you've got an app, too. Lots to be marketed, lots to be said. When we do the marketing piece, as we unabashedly call it, upon our return, give us a couple of minutes. We're Manson Mitchell, and you are tuned in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. 
Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Jenny Mannion, who teaches techniques for self-healing and self-care. They worked for her, and they can work for you. On Saturday, psychic medium and lawyer Mark Anthony introduces his new book, The Afterlife Frequency, which explains the science behind spirit communication. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Jenny Mannion. First time making her debut on Manson Mitchell. We are talking about healing and a whole bunch of other good things. Jenny, if people would like to find out about what kind of books you write, your website, how to connect with you, this is the time to let our listeners know. Yeah, they can go to JennyManion.com, J-E-N-N-Y-M-A-N-N-I-O-N.com. And I have lots available there. I have my individual healing services where I work with people basically on on a couple different levels. I work with people on deepening their self-love. I work with people on if they want to heal something in their body. I work with people on embracing their soul. So gaining that soul connection, learning their gifts. And I use a whole bunch of different tools to do that. I use the Akashic Records. I am completing my shamanic training. I'm certified in over 15 energy healing modalities. And my latest thing is that I really want to teach people self-love. And so I have an app called Love 365, as well as a community called Reawaken You, where people can join and with love 365 they get a message every day from me they get an exercise and an affirmation and it's a themed week 
And at the end of the week, you usually get something. Sometimes it's a meditation, something to just deepen that process. But it's that little reminder. I'm a big believer in short, simple exercises. I won't have people doing hours of homework, but just five to 10 minutes a day to reflect on that self-love because when we do love ourselves we affirm that self-worth and life starts to get better we know that we're worthy of a life that we deserve in all our areas we deserve to be healthy we deserve to have healthy relationships around us we deserve to love what we do for a living so it really is there's there's so many levels to that and it really is about connecting to our soul stopping with the mind a little bit listening to it changing it but our soul kind of guides us to that because our soul is unconditional love. So really connecting to the heart and listening to the mind and changing that self-talk. You said something before the break that I made a note of because it, it was triggering it an area to go into. And that was, you were saying in those, it, to begin as a first step, you know, try and find just a couple of minutes perhaps shower time, perhaps another time, getting up in the morning, going to bed at night, when you can really feel grateful about something and, and think of something positive. When, when you said that when people think about a really wonderful thing in their lives, that it touches them emotionally. And, and often there are some tears involved in that. When bad things happen, when tough things happen, I think we clench our jaws, grit our teeth and get very stoic. I can handle this. I can overcome this challenge. I'm going to be fine. But when something really nice happens, when somebody gives us a truly wonderful compliment, when we remember a loving situation, something that touched us deeply it does have a tendency to make us cry that it is easier for us to handle a criticism than it is for us to handle a compliment because the compliment really opens up our vulnerability. And, and so where I wanted to, what have you address is, you know, I think that the healing aspect of getting in touch with your emotions, allowing things to, you know, remember those loving good times and allowing yourself to feel that emotion. What is that connection between your thoughts and your feelings that you can kind of recommend or help people to get on that healing path toward the better life, knowing that they're going to go through some emotion to get there. Yeah, healing is not pretty. It really isn't. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but it is better than repeating the same pain that we've been in. And it is a means to an end when we start to listen to our thoughts and we start to open up to receiving. I mean, that really is what we were you were talking about, receiving that compliment receiving that that love of a good moment or say a precious gift thoughtful gift someone gave you receiving that touches on us and sometimes we don't feel worthy it makes us feel uncomfortable it can make us feel very uncomfortable so really knowing that it's we're human 
we're taught to give. We're taught that being self-care is selfish. We're taught these things. So we kind of have to unlearn those things and really understand that just like the flight attendant tells us to put our own mask on first, we have to take care of ourselves first. And we have to be willing to ask for help when we need help. And we have to be open to receive stuff for other, from other people, especially loved ones. We love giving, so we should be able to receive as well because that gives that other person the joy of giving to us. So really owning that we're worthy of that love and receiving that love, and that goes back to connecting to our soul. It's our mind that is damaged from past trauma that's repeating that, repeating the habits or repeating the behaviors or repeating the limiting message that messages that were told. The only way to start healing those things is to hear them and to say, you know what, I don't believe that. I just told myself I'm stupid because I said something, you know, that I wish I didn't say. I'm not stupid. You know, I just said something a little, you know, that I wish I didn't say that we can learn from that. And life is a learning experience. As long as we're learning and as long as we're doing the best we can in the moment, we really can't ask for anything else. What would you say if, in terms of your long practice now, and it shows up in your books, it shows up in this interview and many others you've done, I'm sure. But when you face a challenging situation, what stories do you come away with of triumph? I mean, are there people of whom you are especially proud because they faced a daunting challenge, took your advice, did something about their lives, and had wonderful results to show for their efforts and for your assistance, by the way? Who are, who are your, your victory stories? There are so many victory stories, and it is all about... I put a recent testimonial. I have a human rights photographer as a client who is used to being out in the world photographing people and had cancer and COVID and wasn't able to get out there. And it's COVID, so wasn't able to get out there. But working with me, I helped her change that self-care and self-talk. She was so used to giving to other people that it was really hard for her to receive. It was really hard for her to take that time for herself, but she has reworked how she works, how she lives in the world. I've had clients that have had cancer. I had a client that was given like a week or two to live that worked with me and through the Akashic record work and really that deep energetic healing of those past trauma traumas, you know, being, being a victim of abuse uh, you know, and, and overcoming that, you know, she's cancer free for over five years. So there are wow. so many, so many stories of people that when we allow ourselves to know our self-worth, when we allow ourselves, give ourselves permission to heal from that trauma, that self-forgiveness is so important. Forgiveness of others and self-forgiveness is so important to moving on and to not, not hold ourselves tethered in the past and those limiting beliefs. You know, Jenny, when we're talking about desiring a change, because there is one or more aspects of our life that are painful, it could be health, could be relationships, could be finances, but there's something that is paining us, a habit we haven't been able to break. Okay, so now we're going to come to Jenny Mannion, and we're going to work on that. And, and when you are advising your clients, I think the thing 
that um, is important to note from what you have said, it seems as though when you go into a healing modality, when you go into a healing uh, path, that in a way, it's just a different kind of pain. You, you have the pain of the poor habit, the thinking that, you know, I'm a worthless person. I want to break that habit for sure. So I'm going to get with Jenny. But to break that habit, when you, when you are asking people to remember a happy time in their life, to remember something they're very grateful for, to begin to build in that building process, it seems like in healing, there's pain to go through in the healing process. So it's almost a matter of, well, do you want the pain of the habit or do you want the pain of the healing? Does that make sense to you? It that does no make matter sense. what, that's the door you got to go through? Yeah. And the pain of the habit, though, if you don't change the pain of the habit, it's going to keep on <laughs> being a pain. If you go through the pain of the healing, you go through it for a short period of time, but you come out on the other end and Thank it's you. not, yes. it's, it's not as painful anymore. You can, you can change. You could have been stuck, say, I get clients that, okay, they repeat the same relationship with a different person over and over again. That's not their healthiest relationship because they have a lack of self-worth. But guess what? If you start working on why you've been in those relationships, why you pe pick people that don't value you and start really valuing yourself and paying gratitude for yourself and knowing you're worthy of someone that treats you well, you're going to start attracting someone that treats you well. That's I like you. That. Yeah, that's right. We're looking <laughs> at each other. I decided to be good to myself 20 years ago. And I asked Suzanne Mitchell out on a date we're, we're here doing this now. So it must be working. I also think there is a great deal to be said for something that has a wonderful acronym USA and that is, this is the uh, one of the gifts to the world of the late, great Dr. Albert Ellis, inventor of rational emotive behavior therapy. In some of his later work, he began encouraging people to adopt USA, unconditional self-acceptance. Mm. And he said, if you do enough work in that regard, you may well get to the point where you adopt another three-letter acronym, UO. A, which is unconditional other acceptance. If you start with accepting yourself with your joys and your sorrows, your human fallibility, and nobody shakes that, not at this stage of evolution anyway. And if you come to realize that your mistakes don't define you, they may show you that you need to go another way. Maybe there's something to rethink, something to correct, but that doesn't make you a bad or inferior person. Not at all. It means you have more work to do, just like the rest of us. If you can get to that place and talk to yourself that way, repeatedly and sincerely, maybe you will get to the next stage, which is to not be so hard on other people who are fighting their own difficult battles every single day. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I hadn't heard those acronyms before. And I'm very big on acronyms. So thank you for sharing those with me. A couple Oops. more arrows for your quiver, madam. <laughs> One of the uh, one of the stories I, I think I've told this before. I'm, I'm sure I have. I know I've told it to Gary um, many years ago when I was in real estate. I was helping a man who I was working with um, at a hospital who wanted to sell his house. He was ill. He wanted to 
go to California, be with his brother. And he, when I walked into his house, it was horrific. He had um, cats all over the kitchen counters and cat feces everywhere. The place stunk. It was filthy, dirty. It was just awful. And he was alone and had no idea where to begin. So I, I said, well, we're going to transform this place so we can get it sold. And we did. He agreed, you know, to pay for painting and new carpet and all kinds of stuff and to put the cats somewhere. And I went in on a Sunday and sold it the first day um, because it was it was looking good and smelling good. We caught it really fast right in that little window. And I remember when he walked in and he looked around and he said. It could have always been that way. There is a sadness when you have healed a belief that you've held for years and years and years, and, and you recognize it, you reveal the lie that it is and say to yourself, I, I am worthy. I am lovable. I am competent. And you start looking at the really positive aspects of yourself don't you think there's a sadness that comes in that it could have always been that way yes i felt it big time after healing myself and i repeated some you know, i was a psychology major how did i not know this stuff how did i not get here sooner i wasted seven years in bed all of those negative thoughts come up but it could have been seven more years. It could have been the rest of my life. I could have wound up in a wheelchair, you know, knowing that it is divine, perfect timing, that you have this moment that you healed. And now you have the whole rest of your life living from this, being kind to yourself because of those limitations. He was, you know, he adapted that pattern because he didn't know any better. And that that's okay. You know, now he does know. And hopefully the next house he went into was a lot better maintained. You know, giving ourselves that loving kindness, knowing it is a journey. And I know as humans, we are so hard on ourselves and we don't give ourselves credit for the lessons learned, but really giving ourselves that love and gratitude for the lessons learned and knowing that life every new day is a new day. And all those lessons learned are just more opportunity to create a better future. I think sometimes it helps to have somebody else point the way to you and say, try this path, try this thing. Because if we're trying to fix ourselves with the same brain that's broken, I don't see how you get out of it. I mean, we really do need other people, other friends, relatives, counselors, coaches, spirit guides. We need all that stuff to get to that better life. Otherwise, I think it's just easier to stay stuck. Absolutely. We do need help. We get in our own way over and over again. And as I mentioned, like going for that walk with that friend helped me start getting out of that mindset. So I feel like I was in the best space when that, when the secret did come out to hear it, reaching out to friends, reaching out to loved ones, not being afraid to ask for help because we know that we love to help other people. So whether it's getting a counselor or a coach or whether it's a good friend that you need to talk to, knowing that you're not alone. There are other people that have gone through similar things 
all of us are facing our own demons. All of us are, you know, trying to heal as best we can. You know, I've been on this journey 15 years and I've sure learned a lot, but I still get the negative self-talk sometimes. I can catch myself faster, you know, just knowing that it's a journey and all we can do is get better and better at living this life and hopefully attract healthier and healthier relationships around us and keep making our life better and more exciting and, and really giving ourselves permission to live that joy. Give ourselves permission to live that joy. They ought to print that on money. That's exactly (laughs) the kind of thing. We need to get the word out about that. This conversation reminds me of an encounter I had during a group therapy session because I had some issues I wanted to work on. This is going back way back to 1980. There And this one lady in the group that I was attending regularly for a period of a few months told the story of meeting, falling in love with, and marrying an airline pilot. She happened to be a flight attendant at the time. She was from South Africa, and she came over to America and met the man of her dreams, or so she thought. And before too long, what they were able to do with their passion subsided. I mean, you know, the bloom was off the rose all of a sudden. Maybe it wasn't so sudden, but the bloom was off the rose. The passion subsided there. And her husband began telling her how popular he was, could have been to let her know, how popular he was And all the women, it could be other flight attendants, it could be passengers, it could be people he knew in the industry, it could be people in the swingers club that he wanted to join, who were throwing him freebies, or they were expressing their intense interest in him and his sexiness. And so he he made it his mission to talk his wife, and they hadn't been married, you know, a couple of years at that time, as I recall. There, he wanted her to join the swingers club so that they could get around together, which would justify his activities, you see. And that he was proud of the fact that there were even prostitutes who threw him a freebie because they just thought that he was all that. And I looked at her and I still cringe for having said it, though I don't regret having said it. It just felt uncomfortable at the time. People in that circle didn't know what to say to her. And I finally said, I think that you are unaware of how much you accommodate yourself to your pain. And that stunned her. And when we met the next week, she took time out during our usual discussion to thank me for putting her in her place, as she said. And I I said, no, 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 no. That is not at all what I intended. I just wanted to show you something kind of like holding up a mirror so that you could reflect on that and maybe make choices that work for you for a change instead of accommodating what is going on in your obviously unhappy marriage from your point of view. Your husband, he's not here in therapy with you, with the rest of us. He might be having a high old time. It's you who are unhappy And maybe it would be good to devise a strategy for engaging him on this issue, confronting him if need be, but ultimately choosing your own happiness instead of subverting yourself and being subservient to a husband who no longer brings you the joy that he once did. Does any of that sound like Hoyle to you? 
<laughs> it sounds, I'm really glad you were in that group with her. And it is a self-worth issue. And if you have someone saying, oh, I'm all that and all these other women want me, what does that do to her self-esteem? You know, it, it makes her feel not worthy or, or maybe he wants her to feel like, oh, you're so lucky to have me and I'll do anything to keep you then. And yeah, I love that you said that to her and that she was able to look and see that she was worth more than that. And it needs to be a conversation. And I love that you said, hold the mirror up because I use that often. Our relationships are a mirror reflecting you know we teach people how to treat us and if we feel like we're not worthy we're going to attract people to us that treat us like we're not worthy so the best thing that we can do is love ourselves set healthy boundaries and know that that is loving and as we change and grow the relationships around us change and grow and some of the hardest things the hardest thing on this journey has been letting go of friendships and letting go of relationships that are no longer aligned with me but we all grow i do feel like we're all mirrors for each other and we do do all learn from each other and and it's okay it's okay to walk around away from unhealthy relationships I want to show up to every relationship I'm in, loving the person 100% and as my best self and reflecting that to them. And I want people to show up for me like that. So really loving ourselves is the key to kind of everything. It attracts the healthy relationships and and the joy and and the, the positive future that we deserve. The positive, and the positive future that we deserve is the one that we choose for ourselves. We are choosing animals. Yes. And in any kind of situation, you can look at it as a marketplace and we do choose and then we live with our choices. And if we're very conscious and maybe there's a bit of luck involved, I don't know, but sometimes our bad choices can be inverted and we manage to self-transform. I want to say thank you, Jenny, for yes. being on with us. Jenny Mannion, please give the book title so people can go to your website or Amazon and be aware of what is available. Sure. Uh, Short Path to Change, 30 Ways to Transform Your Life is my book title. That's on Amazon. And you can join my community and app, Love365, on my website, JennyMannion.com, J-E-N-N-Y-M-A-N-N-I-O-N.com. Thank you so much, Jenny. We are going to do this again. And thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate your time. I had a lot of fun talking with you too. Thank you. All right. And we will do it again. Next up, we have the Christine Upchurch Show. And at one o'clock Pacific time, we have American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Who do you have on? Jamie Jensen, who is going to tell us about Legends of the Fall Colors. Ah. We look forward to interviewing him. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow live, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on Manson Mitchell, 1150 a.m. in Seattle. Have a great weekend.